Hey everybody and welcome back to the Point Podcast. We're all doing well on this Tuesday. If it feels like it's been a minute since I've done a podcast, it kind of was. I did my last show was Sunday night, which was technically Monday's podcast, but I just I couldn't sleep and I, I wanted to be productive. When you can't sleep, it's the most as you all know. As human beings, we've all been there. You can't sleep, you're rolling, you're turning, you can't figure it out. I take took a melatonin, I can't get to sleep. And I might as well be productive, right? I might as well go do something that I can feel pride about. And just to bring us back to that evening. So I do my show. I was here till about 1 a.m. And normally, I'm out of bed around 3.30 every day. That's normally my routine. I It is really early. And I don't sleep a whole lot. I actually, what I what I do now is... I nap. Like last night I fell asleep from 6:30 till 9 o'clock. And then I didn't sleep much throughout the night. I got probably an hour. So these naps are, and this isn't a crimey story. This is just taking you guys behind the scenes of, of my life and what's going on. But I, I went home after I did the show. You think, okay, I'm tired. I just spoke. I just did. And I know this probably doesn't seem it, but when you talk when I do shows with myself for an hour and a half, an hour and 40 minutes, it's actually a lot of work. It might seem really juvenile. All you're doing, oh no, all you're doing is talking. It does take a lot out of you, honestly. I know that's probably hard to believe. But so Sunday night, I get back thinking, okay, I'll sleep. Don't get it. I sleep probably an hour and 20 minutes and then I'm awake. So I'm just coming to the, you know, the realization that's going to be my life now is Two, three hours a night is basically what I'm aiming for. That's a good night for me. And I can do it. As you can see, I'm lively now. I Again, I didn't get much sleep last night. And I'm good to go. So I, you know, I've heard multiple people, people in my life that care about my well-being. And I, I thank you to those people because, you know, they're looking out for me better than I probably am. They're saying, no, you need more sleep. You eventually you'll crash. It's really not healthy for you. I get it. I do. And I appreciate the sentiment. I appreciate the warm feelings. I appreciate all of the above. However, it's just how I operate. Some people are different. Some people are weird. I've been different, weird, however you want to describe me since I came out of the womb. And I think that's just how it's going to have to be for me. But if I can still do the show, if I'm still energetic, it could be at midnight, it could be 3.37 p.m. here in the afternoon. It doesn't matter. As long as we got content, as long as I have my two eyes open, we're going to do this show, and hopefully I'm going to do it well. And that's what I aim to do today, because it's a Tuesday. Seamus is going to join soon. We're going to get into a number of different topics. We're going to talk about the Kevin Durant rumors to his Boston Celtics that uh, Adrian Wojnarowski dropped yesterday. So I'm going to get his thoughts on if he wants to part with Jalen Brown, if that's something he's open to. We're going to get his take on his Celtics. We're going to talk about the Huberto Kachuk deal, of course, get more into detail about that. Uh, I have some thoughts after hearing the press conferences yesterday, in particular from Jonathan Huberto, and why I don't buy something that he said yesterday. I didn't touch on the Kyler Murray-Lamar Jackson extension all that much yet. Going to get into that today. And we're also at the end of the show. 
I, me and Seamus have been discussing concerts and different things that would interest us. And he's going to a concert this weekend to see the glorious sons who I have no interest in seeing, but he kind of wants me to go. I'm still thinking about it. I don't think I'll go because I'm not that great of a friend, but that's a whole other story. What we're going to do is I thought about this yesterday. We're both going to do our top five list. Who doesn't love a top five? A top five of the bands, the current bands, living bands or living artists that we want to see perform live. This can be any kind of genre, any kind of music, and I'll be openly honest. This was really difficult for me because most of the artists I want to see are dead or they don't perform anymore. <laughs> um, although I did hear today that Stevie Nicks, who is, of course, of the great, great. I mean, I could argue the greatest band of all time. I'm sure people would push back on that. I The Zeppelin crowd would likely pile on and say, well, I'm not so sure. Fleetwood Mac isn't that good. But Stevie Nicks is performing in Bangor, Maine in September. Interest level is rising on that concert. I, Stevie Nicks is a national treasure, the voice of an angel. So that's definitely something I'm kicking tires on is that concert. So it was difficult for me to come up with these five wide variety of music. And I know Seamus's is going to be completely different from mine, which is perfect because that's why we're good friends because we're really different. And that uh, that's, that's what we'll get into at the end of the show. But what's exciting about today? You think, well, it's Tuesday, July 26th. What, what's exciting about July 26th? Uh, NFL training camps are open. Every team is into camp. I already saw some interesting walk-ins. Aaron Rodgers is dressed like Nick Cage and Con Air, which is a great movie if you haven't seen it. Aaron Rodgers looks ripped. He looks like he's hit the weights this offseason. I've never seen him this bulked up, and he's 38 years old. So good, he looked good coming in. I don't love the the white tarp look. That it's a bit it's a bit shitty for me. I don't love that look, but again, he could pull it off. Good for Aaron Rodgers. Still got the long hair. I I like to think he's channeling me in a way with with the hair. We get similar similar hair. I think I got a little more a little more flavor to mine. His is a little thin a little thin there. Again, he's a 15 years older than me, but nevertheless, I still like to think me and him are, are feeling the same energy. Saw some other guys coming with Lambos. Uh, CJ Uzama, who is the new tight end of the New York Jets, formerly of the Cincinnati Bengals, had a had a shirt with Zach Wilson's face on it that said uh, the person of the year. And this is dating back to Zach Wilson sleeping with his with his one of his mother's best friends. And uh, he was in the news for that. So interesting, interesting there. And let's start NFL because last Friday or last Thursday it was now Kyler Murray agreed to a long-term extension with the Arizona Cardinals. 
to five-year deal with 161 million guaranteed, 250, 250 in total, not all that guaranteed. But with this salary, the way it works, the way it maps out, it it works out to be that Kyler Murray will make $46 million a season. That's his average salary per year. And that makes him the second highest paid quarterback in the National Football League behind Aaron Rodgers, who makes $50 million. And at first glance, you're like, oh my God, Kyler Murray's the second highest paid quarterback. He's not even the fifth or sixth best quarterback. But again, I've made this point again and again, and this can go back to any sport. It doesn't matter if you're the best at a position. It, it only matters when you're free, when you're available, when you're a free agent in the position that you're in. It also helps that there are only so many good quarterbacks in the NFL. I know this. I'm going through my quarterback list. I will have that for you all soon enough. But Kyler Murray, to me, is a top 10 quarterback. He has his flaws. He's a mobile quarterback, which in and of itself is a risk because the more you move, the more likely you are to take a hit, which can lead to injuries. Kyler Murray has missed at least one start in every season he's had in the NFL. However, in his three seasons, Kyler Murray in year one, five uh, five wins. Year two, eight wins. Year three, 11 wins and a division title. So Kyler Murray has improved the Arizona Cardinals every year he's been the quarterback. That's just a fact. You can't debate it. And I would argue that Kyler Murray played the back half of last season with a lot of a lot of weights on him. He was being bogged down by the fact that DeAndre Hopkins was injured, which he couldn't he he can't control that. That JJ Watt was not in the lineup because he was out with an injury. That Buda Baker missed the playoff game, one of the best safeties in the NFL. And the fact that Cliff Kingsbury is a disaster of a head coach after basically the midway point of any season he's coaching pro pro or collegiate football. He is below, he's minus 25 in his collegiate and NFL career after week nine. He is a disaster. People figure him out. He he loses his fastball, something. To me, he's a horrible game manager as, as as a head coach when it comes to timeouts, when it comes to making key decisions, kicking long field goals. He just isn't that great of a coach. So that hurts Kyler Murray in and of itself. Kyler Murray would be in a better situation if he had Andy Reid as a head coach. Cliff Kingsbury was handpicked to coach Kyler. It has not been a great marriage so far because Cliff is more of the issue than Kyler, which I don't think is talked about enough. Yes, Cliff is very handsome. He dates a supermodel, and he's got all the things going for him in the world. I can't relate, but he is not great at at being a head coach. So, was, was Kyler overpaid? No, he was not because this is the going rate. And who is replacing Kyler Murray? Who's better? Nobody out there is better than Kyler Murray. Jimmy Garoppolo is not better than Kyler Murray. You're not throwing a season away if you're the Arizona Cardinals to hope that you find somebody in the draft. That's not where they are as a a team. That's not where you are as a franchise. Arizona is not Detroit. 
Detroit wins games this year, they're playing with house money. Because they have Jared Goff and they have Dan Campbell who's trying to build a culture there, and maybe they, they find a quarterback in this year's draft with some of the great collegiate quarterbacks, I think we'll see. But that's very much up in the air. That's very much undetermined at this point. Now, the interest level goes from Kyler Murray to Lamar Jackson. Training camp's open today. And Lamar Jackson, if the season started today, would be playing under the last year of his rookie deal. Meaning he's not making a whole lot of money. He is a first-rounder, so he does make makes a decent salary. But when it comes to quarterback money, it's peanuts. And so far throughout his career, Lamar Jackson has been better than Kyler Murray. Lamar Jackson has won an MVP of the National Football League. Nobody can take that away from him. He's been doubted ever since he left Louisville. Bill Polian, the great GM for, uh, formerly of the Indianapolis Colts, Say, said Lamar Jackson would have to pivot to wide receiver. To me, that was a bit more of a racial comment because he's really athletic and he's black. And that's what they did to black quarterbacks back in the day. Ask Warren Moon, who refused to play wide receiver. Really interesting book, if you haven't read it. Warren Moon. But Lamar came into the league, sat behind Joe Flacco, and beat him out for the job. Goes into the next season... His, his first full season as a starter wins the MVP of the league. Is absolutely dynamic. The best since Michael Vick when it comes to his legs. He might be better than Vick because I think he's a smarter quarterback. Wins the MVP. And since then, he's been a very good quarterback. You look at last year for the Baltimore Ravens. The fact that they were even close to making the playoffs... I give more credit to Lamar. The Baltimore Ravens had more man games lost last year than any team in the National Football League, and they finished a game out of the postseason. Before he even played a snap last year, Lamar Jackson was without J.K. Dobbins, first-string running back, without Gus Edwards, second-string running back, without Marcus Peters, a Pro Bowl All-Pro corner, and it just continued from there. He lost Nick Boyle in the run game. He lost Ronnie Stanley to a trade early in the season to Kansas City. He They were just depleted. They were playing backups of the backups, and Lamar, it wasn't a fair fight for him. But looking at the numbers, they're comparable. I think Kyler Murray is a better, is a better passer than Lamar Jackson. Lamar is a better running quarterback than Kyler. Kyler is very quick. He's more quick than he is fast. His little legs are constantly moving. I I see Kyler Murray. It reminds me of my little dog, Dirk. Because Kyler's got little legs. So does Dirk. But yet they both run pretty fast, which is my little connection of the day. But so he's quicker than he is fast. Lamar's just fast. I've never seen somebody that is so dynamic in the open field. He can avoid hits. He makes his spinoffs. He's in, such an incredible athlete and one of the most dynamic players in league history. So, Kyler's a better thrower. Sure. 
Lamar's a better runner. Lamar has a better winning percentage since entering the NFL than Kyler Murray. Lamar has won a playoff game. Kyler has won zero. And yet the knock is, well, Lamar's not great in the playoffs. I'm not disagreeing with that fact. Has he been perfect? No. But if that's the... If you need to be great in the playoffs to get the bag, hold the phone. This is where Baltimore's drawing the line. And to give some credit to Baltimore, they didn't sign Joe Flacco to a long-term extension until he won his Super Bowl. The year he was a free agent, he went all the way and won the Super Bowl, won Super Bowl MVP. Kudos to him. This was 10 years ago, if you can... I, this was the stat of the day for you all. 10 years ago, Joe Flacco became the first player in the NF, in NFL history to have a salary eclipsing over $20 million per year. That was 10 years ago. Aaron Rodgers is now making 50. Only a decade and the, the salary increases by $30 million. I was baffled by that when I read that on Twitter. It's an incredibly fun stat of the day. Shows how this league is growing. If your friends or family thinks the NFL is dying, tell them to keep the TV on because it's not going anywhere. But they did do that with Joe Flacco. They signed him to a long-term extension. It didn't work out. They had to draft Lamar to replace him. But again, this is the same topic as the Kyler Murray. Where are you going? Tyler Huntley is a very good backup quarterback. He might appear in my top 32 quarterback list. Maybe. He plays a lot like Lamar. He uses his legs. He's got a decent arm. He's a great athlete. He's a perfect guy to have in the system with Lamar Jackson because they play so similar. Joe Flacco, Lamar didn't mix because the offenses are so different and the one playbook to the other is a complete reset for the offensive line and every position player on the roster. You're going to win some games with Tyler Huntley. Are you going to win as many as you would with Lamar? I don't. You're not. You're just not. So to me, this is quite simple. Lamar Jackson has every right to go into that meeting with the Baltimore Ravens where Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent. His agent is his mother and himself, which is a mistake because nobody wants, nobody likes to hear negative things about themselves. What happens in these negotiations? What, happened in, what happens in arbitration hearings? You hear negative shit about you. You hear, hey, you're not that great. Hey, um, we really hate that you fumbled the ball so much. You're not that great of a leader. It's all negative because it's a negotiation. You're not propping somebody up saying, we love this about you because you be, okay, you love me so much. Okay, throw me in another million bucks. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. we can't do that. We can't do that. So... He's going to hear negative stuff about himself, or his mother will, which will go directly to him. It's worse to say negative things about a kid to their parents because their parents take it more personally than the individual in most cases. I could be wrong about that. Parents, if you're listening, let me know, but I think that's true. Do you want to hear negative things about your child? Do you want to hear that your child's a little shit or he's a pain in the ass or he's bad at school. Nobody wants to, I think in particular, parents don't want to hear it. So that could be even worse in the long term. But look, back to the original point. 
Lamar Jackson has every right, and he should do this. He should go into that meeting and say, okay, let's go through my resume. I want a Heisman Trophy. Did Kyler win one? I want an NFL MVP. Did Kyler win one? No. Okay. I want a playoff game. Has Kyler won one? I won multiple division titles. Has Kyler won? No, Lamar. So far, you're uh, you're doing pretty well at this game, right? Kyler did win a Heisman, but other than that, that's a collegiate award. But throw that in there. Kyler hasn't won a division title. Lamar's won two. So, Lamar can say, per year, Lamar is making, uh, Kyler's making $46 million. I want 50. Or I want 48. Or I want 46.1 because I'm getting more than him because I'm fucking better. That's how these negotiations work. Somebody that is not as accomplished as you gets that amount of money, your number goes up. Your number goes up. And I'm no agent. I'm no lawyer. But I follow the NFL pretty closely. It's my favorite sport in the world, and I'm so excited that it's back. You can't believe. I'm just a happier person when the NFL is prepped, when it's back. September 8th, opening night. Can't wait. But if I was representing Lamar Jackson, here's what's happening. So I'm going to be his agent right now. Hello, all. My client, uh, Lamar Jackson, does not have a contract for next season. Well, he's got his rookie deal, but he doesn't have an extension. Which I find puzzling because Patrick Mahomes, who was a high draft pick, and look around and all these young quarter Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, Dak Prescott, they all got their long-term extensions from the team that drafted them. And quite frankly, other than Mahomes, nobody was more accomplished than my client. So this is what's up. The negotiation starts at $48 million per season. And uh, Kyler Murray got 160 guaranteed. We'd like 180, 190 guaranteed at the at the time of signing. And then, so those are our terms. You can mull that over. Now, if we do not get the contract before the start of, tri- before the start of the season, my client will sit out. My client will not play, and my client is not participating in any preseason games or any padded practices because we are not risking injury when this type of money is on the table. This is business. This is business. I would not let my player go out there and risk injury. It's going to... And by the way, again, he doesn't have an agent. This is a hypothetical. But if I'm Lamar, I'm not going out there. I'm not playing. Play Tyler. We'll start losing. Maybe Tyler wins a game. I'll support him. 
But then we'll start losing some games. Then you're going to feel the pressure because we should win the division this year healthy. Steelers got Mitch Trubisky and, oh, yeah, Kenny Pickett from Pitt, who's a rookie. That The one quarterback taken in the first round that nobody really wanted. Okay, Cincinnati coming off a Super Bowl run, but there's this guy named Noah Warren that I know who kind of thinks they're going to regress this year, even though they really improved their offensive line. So I think we can beat them. And then there's Cleveland. Who knows where Deshaun Watson is? He could be an Alcatraz for all we know. Maybe it's Jacoby Brissett. Maybe it's porn star Jimmy. But I think we can beat those teams. I don't know if you can beat them with Tyler Huntley the whole year, though. Give me my money or I'm not playing. These are negotiations. Players should exercise this option more. This is your life. And if you can make a pile of money, it is no crime to sit out. Okay, the fans are mad at you. Who cares? Who cares about fans? Other than me, because I love my fan base here up to the point. Of course. Of course. But I'm just speaking when it comes to players. Okay, the GM's mad at you. Okay. Okay, the fan and little Mikey in the fourth row is mad. Okay. This doesn't matter. This is your life. You go out there this year and you play in your rookie contract and you you blow out your knee. See what Baltimore gives you. Jack squat. That's what they're going to give you. What's the open market going to pay you? Nothing even close to what you're going to what you're hoping to make because you got injured. You need stability. You need that freedom to play the way you play. As a mobile quarterback, you're on the run, you take a hit, it could Lamar needs that stability. He's earned that. And the fact that Lamar Jackson is still facing this, it hasn't gone away. Since college, all he's been been told is, well, we don't think you're good enough. Or I don't know if I can pay you long term because of the way you play. I'm a fucking MVP. What do these other scrubs have done? Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, they're on a different team. Carson Wentz on his third different team. Pay Lamar. Kyler got paid. Lamar should get paid. Training camps have opened today. I'll participate in practice. I'm not playing preseason. I'm not going into padded practice. And uh, I'll give some reps to Tyler. I'm a little tired. Arm's a little stiff. Got to work out the wing a little bit more before I get in there. But pay the man. Steve Bishotti, John Harbaugh. The Ravens normally do things correct down there. But if if the if the thought, if the narrative is Lamar is asking for too much money, if he's looking for more than Kyler Murray, then that's just plain wrong. Because I've I've outlined why he deserves it. Why he has every right to go into that meeting and say, I want more than him. Because in life, if you work harder than somebody else, 
if you if you show up to work every day on time, you bust your ass, and there's another employee who's late, who is not a morning person, is lackluster at their work and complains every day, you should be rewarded before that person that is bitching and complaining the whole day. That's how life should work in my mind anyway. Because that just seems fair. And life isn't fair sometimes. But Lamar, I, I'm hoping that Lamar can get this deal done. I'm also hoping that if Baltimore is not willing to pay him, he has the ability, he has these stones to walk away. Because I don't want to see him get injured. When this team is being stingy with him, be stingy with them. Tell them, I'm not coming. Or I'm not playing. Because I'm not risking injury when you're not willing to give me. I'm not willing to sacrifice for you when you're not willing to sacrifice for me. It's not a one-way street. I'm not a piece of meat. I want to have some financial security. And if you're unwilling to give it to me, then I'll go somewhere else and get it. Because I know there's multiple teams around the NFL who would love to have Lamar Jackson over their current quarterback. That's just a fact. Also today, the NFL, I mentioned Aaron Rodgers and his luck going into training camp. The San Francisco 49ers met with Jimmy Garoppolo this morning. John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan met with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. And it came out in the media that they had a a solid meeting. They had a good meeting, and, and Jimmy was informed that Trey Lance would be the quarterback moving forward. They pivoted to Trey, who's obviously the third overall pick in last year's draft, sat out most of last season, but he is QB1. He is going to be the guy moving forward. And I've said this from from jump. Jimmy Garoppolo's trade destinations, his landing spots have decreased because of his shoulder injury, because of some of the uh, because of the offseason where his health was in question. And he's scheduled to make $27 million this year, which is buying buying, you know, just head and shoulders more than any other backup quarterback. But if I'm the San Francisco 49ers, I'm not trading Jimmy Garoppolo for a fourth round pick. I'm not just giving off, I'm not just giving away somebody that knows my offense very well and has proven time and time again that he can play in it effectively. I will keep Jimmy Garoppolo as my backup quarterback. I will keep him in case Trey doesn't play well, in case there's an injury. Anything can come up. And I'd rather have Jimmy Garoppolo sitting there than Nate Sudfeld or a quarterback X that you want to put in. He is a solid option for any team. But to me, he's more valuable to San Francisco because he knows Kyle Shanahan's offense. And he's got to a Super Bowl in this offense. And he got to another conference championship game last year in this same offense. He, he is a good quarterback. He is in my top 32. Is he a guy that is can be, can you have a weak roster with Jimmy Garoppolo? No, and expect to win. He needs to have a good roster around him, good solid coaching, and be put in a good position. If he was in Lamar Jackson's spot last year, it would not have gone well for Jimmy Garoppolo. But in San Francisco, you know it's going to be a stable spot. John Lynch is a good GM. Kyle Shanahan is, is a very good coach. You still have a a solid running game with Jennings in the backfield who who comes in and and gives them some runs every now and then. You have Elijah Mitchell, 
who was a breakout, a six-round rookie last year. You still have Debo Samuel for now. I don't think San Francisco is going to trade him. He's just he's far and away too valuable, even as just a receiver. He he's a, a great player. They, their roster is very good. They lost some guys. You still you still have Trent Williams at left tackle, who's the best at that position in the NFL, in my opinion. This team is good. San Francisco is still going to be a threat. They're still going to be a very, very good team. So looking at this, keep Jimmy on the roster. I'm not trading him to Seattle. I'm not trading Jimmy Garoppolo to an in-division rival where he can leak secrets and then he can also beat me. I'm not risking that. That's not just smart business. I Again, we saw it in the NHL where the least traded acquired Matt Murray from Ottawa. Well, Ottawa clearly thought that Matt Murray was, was no good because they were willing to part with him. I don't think San Francisco believes Jimmy Garoppolo is just a bum of a quarterback. They traded for him from New England way back when, clearly believing that he could win them some games, that he could get them to a Super Bowl, which he did, and he's one overthrow of Emmanuel Sanders away from winning a Super Bowl with the Niners. So although he's the backup, and I'm sure he's not thrilled about that, I think he'd love to be a starter, of course. But if he's traded in the next week, two weeks, whatever it might be, he's going to have to go into a new system on the fly, learn a new offense while recovering from shoulder, shoulder surgery, and likely be the backup week one wherever he goes. He might go to a bad team, but even if he's traded to the Atlanta Falcons, I think Mariota will start week one because of Jimmy Garoppolo's health status and the fact that Mariota has been learning this offense since March. Garoppolo will be coming in, learning Arthur Smith's tricks on the fly. And if, if I'm Garoppolo, I don't want to spend the last year of my contract in Atlanta because the team stinks. The team is horrible. I don't... I. It would be better off for him to go to Detroit than it would to Atlanta this year. That's how bad I think the Atlanta Falcons are going to be. Yes, they have Kyle Pitts, and and yes, they got Drake London, who they got in the draft with the 10th overall pick. But after that, it gets really thin. Russell Gage is in Tampa. It's reported Tampa doesn't want him as the backup quarterback to Tom Brady. They're okay with Blaine Gabbert. So if I'm Jimmy Garoppolo, I look around and say, do I want to go to Seattle? Seattle would, would be the next best because they have a good offense. Although today Seattle's offense was hurt a bit. It was uh, announced that the Seahawks star running back Chris Carson, who's been great when he's healthy in his career, and that's the big if is when he's healthy, is retiring due to a neck injury. He's, he's had neck problems. He's, he's been injured almost every season he's played, Chris Carson. A really productive back when healthy but he's retiring because of the because of the scare. He's worried about his health long term. Doctors are saying he shouldn't come back. And this is a loss for the Seahawks because Chris Carson was a guy they had penciled in. Luckily for the Seahawks, they drafted like you, know, you could argue the best running back in college uh in college football last year for Michigan State and so they do have depth at that position. Rashad Penny might return as well for the Seahawks, who's another running back who was battered a lot. But it, but you look at it, they they got they do have a nice piece of the position. But this does hurt Seattle. 
you want to have a, a multiple running back system. They have a, a quarterback room where you have Geno Smith and, and Drew Locke that isn't exactly – doesn't scare you, that's for sure. The, the Seahawks the, uh, the Seahawks quarterback room, it's a weakness of their team, quite frankly. And so I, I think Seattle is the next best, next best option for Jimmy Garoppolo, but it would not be my preferred destination. It would be – I'd rather stay with – I'd rather stay with, with San Francisco, back them up, and be ready if there's an injury, be ready if there's inconsistency, if there's turnovers, and be ready to jump into that offense. They love him in San Francisco. Him and, and George Kittle are, are the best of friends. And that's just that's just how I'd approach the situation. If that's me, I, I stay in San Francisco. Because it's familiar, you know it, and why start something new this late into the process? Like I said, it's July 26. Training camps are open. This isn't the easiest time to jump in to a new 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 system. You're practicing every day. You have to learn an offense. You have to learn about your receivers. DK Metcalf is very different from Debo Samuel and how they play the position. You have Tyler Lockett. You have, but it's just it's different for Jimmy Garoppolo. So that that's something to me. I I, I wouldn't be surprised. If they get rid of him, because I think he'll want to leave just out of pride alone. But I think for, for Garoppolo and for San Francisco, really think about this. Really think about the position you're going to be in. Because if Trey Lance gets hurt, you'd rather have Garoppolo than player X. I mentioned Nate Sudfeld coming in and replace for you. Because it's not going to go that well. You want to have some other stability there. And I'm not sure they're going to see much of it with anybody other than Jimmy Garoppolo just because he knows the position so well. Well, that was the news of the day. Chris Carson is going to retire the Seahawks running back because of that lingering neck issue. And, you know, it's too bad. And I'm interested to see – I didn't think Seattle's going to have a great season anyway. To me, they're the worst team in the NFC West by a mile, in particular because of the because of their quarterbacks. You look, you look around, you got Kyler Murray, you got Matthew Stafford – and obviously, I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's tough for Seattle, but I think in that division with the type of players that you have, even Trey Lance, who's unproven to me, is better than anybody the Seahawks have at their position. And I've seen them play. So um, other news, Pro Football Focus puts out a top 50 players, top 100 players, top 50 anyway. And... Matthew Stafford was not on their top 50 players. This is surprising to me. He just won a Super Bowl. He just proved a lot of people wrong. They had three Rams in the top 11 with Cup, Donald, and and, uh, Jalen Ramsey. The fact that Matthew Stafford was not in the top 50 is quite baffling to me. Kyler Murray was above him. Kyler Murray... Matthew Stafford defeated Kyler Murray in the playoffs. Tom Brady was obviously above him. He beat Tom Brady in the playoffs. Joe Burrow was 27th. He beat Joe Burrow in the Super Bowl. 
this is just disrespectful to me. I don't understand why he wouldn't be in the top 50. Joe Burrow is great. I, I can't say he's better than Matthew Stafford. Stafford just beat him. That's one of the more interesting teams this year to me is Cincinnati. And they they came out of the, they came out of nowhere last year. I want to see how they handle it now that they have some expectations and now they put themselves on the map. To me, Joe Burrow is a big game player. He wears the great outfits. He's extremely confident. But people know about Cincinnati now. Forever since the Cincinnati Bengals were, were a lot like the other team in their in their uh, in their city, the Reds, a joke, an afterthought. Nobody. Nobody cared about the Cincinnati Reds. Nobody cared about the Cincinnati Bengals because they didn't win anything. They were just there. Cincinnati was in the division with the Steelers and the Ravens and the Browns, the other Cincinnati team, the other Ohio. The two Ohio, the two Ohio teams were just there in the division but didn't have much of an impact. They played competitive games against one another and they'd rotate every year finishing third and fourth. Well, Cincinnati just went to the Super Bowl. They got Joe Burrow. They added three offensive linemen after seeing him get battered last year. How do they react to this? Jamar Chase's second year. Can he be as productive as he was in his rookie season? CJ Uzama's gone. How do they replace his value? Joe Mixon. Can he continue to develop and improve as a running back? A lot of interesting developments this upcoming season for Cincinnati. And I'm going to review my top five training camp storylines to follow. I'm going to wait for Seamus to join because I think he'll be interested in hearing them. Because I, he's, I, I, I take credit for getting Seamus into the NFL. I'll fully admit that. I don't think, to me, I we lived together for multiple years. And every Sunday, whether he liked it or not, he was going to have football on the TV because I was watching it. So I, I take credit for Seamus being a football fan. He chose the Cleveland Browns, which I believe if the origin story is correct, he picked the Cleveland Browns because he said whoever got the number one pick in the draft, the Baker Mayfield year, was going to be his favorite team. So he chose he got the Browns because Mayfield went there. And now Mayfield's gone. I don't think he was ever that big a fan of Baker. So now it's kind of in limbo for him. Now he's a Cleveland Browns fan, but it's hard to be a Cleveland Browns fan right now because of the uncertainty around Deshaun Watson. And this decision of his suspension, I, I think it, it's going to come this week. It can't be delayed much longer because, like I said, we're into training camp. The Browns need to know what's up. The league needs to know what's up. The Browns need to be aware, okay, Deshaun is suspended eight. He's suspended the whole season. What's going on here? So that they can say, okay, Jacoby, we need you for this many games, and then Deshaun can come back, and they can plan accordingly. Or if they know he's out for the season, then they can make other decisions. Maybe they're more aggressive in the quarterback market. They signed Josh Rosen last week. That's not He's a guy that's been a cast-off, ninth overall pick from the Arizona Cardinals originally, played one season. Then they drafted Kyler Murray first overall the next year. He gets cut a year later, ends up on the on the Tampa Bay practice squad. He gets cut from there. San Francisco practice squad cut from there. Was on the Atlanta Falcons roster last year as a backup quarterback. Got into four games. 
and now he's in and now he's in Cleveland. First overall pick is now a journeyman just trying to land jobs at this point in the NFL. But if the quarterback room for the entire season for the Cleveland Browns is Jacoby Brissett, Joshua Dobbs, and Josh Rosen, they're not going to win many games. I don't care how good Nick Chubb is. I don't care how good Kareem Hunt is or their very effective offensive line. And although it didn't materialize last year, the Cleveland Browns have a good defense. They have a top 10 roster in the entire NFL. They did last year too, although Baker did get hurt. I will give him a pass for some of that, but they underachieved. I thought they'd get to a Super Bowl last year and they ended up missing the playoffs altogether. To me, their best hope is that Deshaun Watson gets eight games. If he gets anything less, I really don't understand where the NFL is, is on this. 42 women coming out saying the same thing. Eventually, there's power in numbers. And I, I don't think you can take the player's stand here. What's happening right now is there's a, there's an arbitrator who's not from the NFL, who's not from the Watson camp, who's going over their evidence from both sides and making a decision on the length of the suspension. And what's been reported is why it's taking so long is that the NFL and Deshaun Watson's camp are both debating, are both sort of working out a suspension that works for both sides. So that when the when this woman reveals her decision, and let's just for the sake of argument say it's for eight games, that Deshaun's camp will not will not say, okay, we don't love this, we're going to appeal, or the NFL doesn't appeal, so then it takes longer. Because that can happen. If the NFL looks at her decision and says, we're not okay with this, the NFL can appeal it. And then Roger Goodell can get involved, and potentially it could become a, a, a longer suspension. So it, it's convoluted. It's a, it's a crazy system, the way it works. But I'm interested to see what happened. But I, to me, it's got to come down this week, what happens with Deshaun Watson. And I've made this point a thousand times. I'm going to continue to make it. He should get a whole year suspension. It, I don't care that he's a whole, pro, whole pro, high-profile athlete. I don't care that the Cleveland Browns gave him $250 million in a really stupid decision. It's one of the more crazy things I've ever seen in the history of the league, what they did to get Deshaun Watson. For a guy, they had no clear-cut clue that he was going to be available or be able to play anytime soon. They still did it. Tells you how desperate this organization is, how desperate they are to be relevant, how desperate they are to get into the postseason. I, I don't know, but the this... This should be announced soon. Again, training camps are open. Lots of things happen. There'll be there'll be injuries. I mentioned Baltimore last year. There'll be a team that we expect to be great, and they'll have injuries in the preseason. They'll have injuries in training camp because that's just the way the sport works. Players will drop like flies. Baltimore has eight players on the pup list, which, if you're not aware, is the physically unable to perform that are still recovering from injuries from last year. David Bakhtiari, the great left tackle for the Green Bay Packers, is still on the on the pup list. He has he's played one game since 2020. He's still trying to he 
the more he stays on that list, it makes me wonder if he'll ever come back. If he'll ever be back at left tackle in the NFL. So things will happen. We'll get some storylines. And as we're waiting for Sheamus, why don't we get, there's going to be two top five lists today because we're going to talk about the top, our top five acts slash bands to see live. If we, if we had the, obviously the, the money and the, uh, just, you can see if they're in your backyard, who are the five people you want to see play live? Well, this list is the top five NFL training camp storylines. So these are just storylines to watch, to follow during training camp that I think are the most interesting, mostly to do with teams, some to do with players. And I'll, I'll start them from five to one. So top five NFL training camp storylines. Storyline number five to watch. Tua, Tua Tagovailoa and the Mike McDaniel offense. The Miami Dolphins are relevant on offense, you could argue, for the first time since Dan Marino. The Miami Dolphins have gone through quarterback over after quarterback. Chad Pennington, Ryan Tannehill, Matt Moore, Jay Cutler, Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's been name after name after name for this franchise. Brian Greasy. They just have had a revolving door of quarterbacks, and none of them have been that great. They they haven't had a stable quarterback in Miami since Dan Marino, and that is not really an over. That's not really saying something crazy. Yes, Tannehill was there multiple years. Yes, Pennington was there multiple years. But the fan, I think Ryan Tannehill is one of the most hated co- players in Dolphins history. Because he couldn't deliver when they thought he could, and he got that big contract, and it was just a disaster from there. So now the Dolphins have Tua, and Tua is a guy that I, Dolphins fans have not loved yet. They haven't wrapped their arms around him because we've seen, saw the video of him throwing a deep ball to Tyree Kill. He underthrew it. He's a guy that really is not a guy that throws the ball down the field effectively, and. There's questions about his about his health. In, in uh, college, he broke his hip. He had to have surgery on it, and he's been injured in his uh, short NFL career so far. But he goes into year three with a new head coach and Mike McDaniel, who is coming over from San Francisco in the great San Francisco offense that is predicated on the run game. And Miami went out in the offseason. They got Raheem Mostert. They got Chase Edmonds from the Arizona Cardinals. And they've also... Added, they've also made their offense likely the fastest offense in the NFL. When they traded, they made a sign and trade deal to get Tyree Kill from the Kansas City Chiefs. They still have Jalen Waddle, who was their first round pick last year, who had 100 catches as a rookie. They added Cedric Wilson from the Dallas Cowboys, who is a burner if there ever was one. And they have Mike Gusecki, who is a, a tight end that is fast and also just crazy talented. So this offense has pieces for the first time, and now there are no excuses for Tua. But why I find this interesting for training camp is what reports do we hear about him throwing? We know Tua is accurate. Tyreek Hill said he's the most accurate quarterback in the NFL in short passes. But how is this offense working? How many runs to passes do they go in a game is interesting to me. What's their strategy when it comes to employing Tua, when it comes to employing Jalen? Because they are similar, and they both uh, 
Jalen's used to catching five, five yards down the field and having to get yak yards for the rest to get the first down. How does Tyreek evolve as a wide receiver with Tua as his quarterback? And can Tua throw a deep ball at times during games is another interesting storyline as a Southpaw quarterback. Number four on the top five NFL training camp storylines to follow, to watch. Debo Samuel. As we currently stand, Debo Samuel is a wide receiver for the San Francisco 49ers. But throughout this offseason, Debo said he wanted traded out of San Fran. He, he requested a trade. He said he didn't want to be there. He didn't want to be employed as a running back slash wide receiver, which I understand because it would affect his salary. And Debo basically said, get me, get me the hell out of here so that I don't have to be both. What's interesting is I mentioned earlier, I don't think John Lynch is going to trade Debo Samuel. I don't think he's going to cut him. I think Debo Samuel will be in San Francisco for the entirety of this season. But my interest and why it's interesting in this as a training camp storyline is how is Debo Samuel going to be employed on offense? How is he going to be used? Because to me, he might say, I'll stay in San Fran, but I'm not running. I'm not a running back. I'm not taking any snaps behind the quarterback. I'm not doing it. I did it for multiple seasons, but I want to get a a payday here down the line. And I'm going to get a bigger payday because of my wide receiver abilities. Because of the fact I have great yak yards, I'm better than people think. He had more receiving yards. He the third most receiving yards last year of any of any wide receiver. So I think it's going to be a tug of war. I think obviously Kyle Shanahan is going to want to use Debo Samuel the way he lose used them last year because they went to the NFC Championship game. But Debo Samuel, I think, will fight against it. And if he's staying there the entire season. He will not be a running back slash wide receiver. He'll be a wide receiver with Jawan Jennings and George Kittle and the rest of that receiving core. And he'll let Kyle Shanahan figure out the offense. And now with Trey Lance as the quarterback, who is a dual threat, who can use his legs, maybe Debo will be less called upon to be used in the running game. So that could work out for all parties involved. Number three storyline. I've touched on it throughout the podcast. It's Lamar Jackson. How does Lamar Jackson handle this? Does he take my advice from today and say, I am not playing. I'm not participating. I'm not going in padded practices. And oh, by the way, if I don't have a new contract by week one, I'm not playing in week one. I'm sitting out. I'm holding out because I'm not risking my body, risking a long-term injury, and then you not paying me a damn thing. This happened to Earl Thomas. Went into the last year of his contract. He couldn't agree to a long-term extension with the Seattle Seahawks. In week six, he broke his ankle. Was out for the season. Was stretchered off. He flipped off Pete Carroll as he got off the field. And he never never played for the Seahawks again and never got the big payday that he expected to get as one of the most dynamic, best-playing safeties in all of the NFL. So that there are these cautionary tales. And if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm not risking my career. He's good friends with Robert Griffin Jr. the third, who played with him in, in Baltimore briefly as his backup quarterback. Look what happened to RG3. He didn't have stability. He didn't have a long-term contract. He gets injured in Washington. He's out of town. That money's off the table. He gets to Cleveland. He's injured in the second game. That was the end of his career. 
Those two major injuries, he doesn't, he never got the bag, so to speak, because of injuries and because of the way he played. It can happen in an instant. And Lamar needs to be aware that this could absolutely happen to him. So that's number three. Number two of NFL training camp storylines to watch. Number two is the New England Patriots play calling situation. As we currently stand, the ball, the New England Patriots do not have an offensive coordinator. They do not have a quarterback coach. They do not have a defensive coordinator or a special teams head coordinator. Special teams coordinator. They don't have one. It's all a revolving door of Bill Belichick saying, I don't love titles. We're going to do things differently here in New England this year. And it's very much a confusing mess because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Matt Patricia, a.k.a. Captain, a coach pencil, back from Detroit, is rumored to be the co-offensive coordinator with Joe Judge, the recently fired head coach of the New York Giants. Okay. Well, Matt Patricia was a defensive coach the first time around in New England. Now he's coaching offense, apparently. Joe Judge coached so well on offense that Daniel Dimes might go from the eighth overall quarterback to playing in the uh, XFL next year. It's interesting to me the Patriots, who are normally one of the most fundamentally strong organizations in pro sports, now seems like a clown show. Bill Belichick, maybe he's just getting old. Maybe he's losing something upstairs. Or maybe he just sees his son and wants to give him the job through nepotism, him with his uh, faux hawk and whatever else, uh, his shitty uh, sweater, sweater that he got from his dad. I don't know. But New England is crazy right now, and I can't believe I'm saying that about New England. But before we get to the number one of the top five NFL training camp storylines to watch, I see we got Seamus uh, in the window to jump in, so I'll bring him in here. Uh, Shay, how are things going so far this week? Good. Didn't didn't mean to interrupt the top five. I'll let you continue on. Uh, just didn't think you'd be really shitting on my boy Bill. Uh, can't can't believe you're doubting the mastermind. But uh, no, no, I, I'll let you continue. I'll be a I'll be a silence presence in this in this one. No, I'm happy. Uh, Mac Jones looks good. So that's the that's the positive thing about uh, training camps. Number one of the top five NFL training camp storylines to watch, and this one's easy for me. This silver platter. Baker versus Sam Darnold. Baker Mayfield versus Sam Darnold in the battle to become the starting quarterback of the Carolina Panthers. And it's interesting because both these guys are in the same draft. Baker going one, Sam going three. But you're 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 fighting it out to be the starting quarterback on the Carolina Panthers, who I expect to be god awful this season. And I, if I had to predict, I don't think either guy will be the will be the on this roster come next season. So it. It's you're battling for. I mean, you can make or break here. Maybe you get an opportunity elsewhere for for Baker for Sam Darnold. You're hoping to stay in the league, but uh, I'm interested to see who starts week one. I think Darnold does have the advantage because he knows the system, while Baker is coming in off an injury and and is not familiar with it. But um, that's the number one storyline to watch: is who is the starting quarterback for the Panthers when they meet your Cleveland Browns week one. So who is it? You gotta have a you gotta have a recommendation here. To me, it's quite if Baker's healthy, I'm starting Baker. 
He's right. a better quarterback. Right. He, to me, he's getting unfairly labeled. He was injured in week two last year, and mm-hmm. he clearly his shoulder. Should he have played all those games hurt? No. That was stupid, and that's his pride getting in the way. That's that's Baker for you. But he's a better quarterback than Sam Darnold, and I think he gives you a better chance to win. And you're in a division where you get to play Atlanta twice. They are worse than Carolina, so that there's that tells you this division is not all that great. And New Orleans is good, but I, I think they can be had at times. Jameis Winston and you know Taysom Hill there in, in New Orleans. So I I'm not saying Carolina's fighting for the playoffs, but maybe you can finish seven and ten, and that that'd be a pretty good season for this roster. It'd look great for them, and it'd be great for whichever quarterback. Obviously, like you said during um Sam is just basically holding on by a thread to stay in the league. So if he mm-hmm. had, if he comes out, has a great season, well, he can remain being on that shitty team. And if Baker does, then he's going to get looks for other teams because yeah, you've said in the past, there's such a scarcity for good quarterbacks now that, you know, mm-hmm. anyone's willing to take a chance on you. So I think that's what Baker's hoping for. But yeah, health is the biggest thing with him. There was times last year where he just looked like he should have been pulled out of the game, but you're mm-hmm. right. He's, his hubris definitely keeps him in there sometimes when he shouldn't have been. Yeah, he could hardly move his arm. It just—it was so apparent that he that he couldn't do it. And again, that that happens. But um, I wish him the best of uh, this upcoming season with the Panthers. But all teams have reported to training camp today, so the NFL is officially back, and uh, nobody is happier than yours truly. I was gonna say, yeah. smile ear to ear. I, <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. you definitely you can definitely tell when the tides have turned and uh, training the trainers are back in action. So. No, that's good. Happy, no, it's, happy for you, bud. I know it's a good day for you. Yeah. yeah. How are things yeah, with you so, anyways? Not a whole lot. Just, um, just uh, you know, get doing my, my regular, doing my, getting my steps in and doing the podcast. And Sunday night I recorded late at night because, as you know, I can't sleep on Sundays. I sometimes send you a message on Sunday nights when I'm out and about. But, uh, no, it's good. Uh, weather's been fantastic. And uh, good, some good sports. Like I said, NFL is back. We got uh, baseball in the home stretch. So uh, life is good. How about you? How are things up in uh, St. John? Good, good. Appreciate you giving me the week off last week with uh, with old travel to NS. Uh, had a nice little trip there. Saw a couple friendly coworkers, and uh, yeah, overall it was a great trip. A little hard on the liver, but that's usually what happens when you visit other provinces um but yeah no other than that things are great in study mode for me i've just been grinding you know i got that big test coming up in september so uh this is a nice little break it keeps me away it keeps me less stressed talking to you just uh, does wonders for me so appreciate you having me on again no of course and it's a good day to have you because this interesting development yesterday morning i'm mm. not sure this was breaking news although whoa everything he says seems to be breaking news or news of some kind right where Kevin Durant and the Boston Celtics were linked where he tweeted that the Celtics were offering Jalen Brown, Derek White, and a draft pick for Kevin Durant, which I don't know why they even called to offer that. But <laughs> he, uh, the Celtics appear interested. They don't see it's nothing imminent, but they are discussing trades with the Brooklyn Nets. And I wanted to get your thoughts on the Celtics potentially moving off of Jalen Brown and other pieces it's, to bring in Kevin Durant. It, it is very, very intriguing, right? Like, he's such a big piece. You know what he's done for the Warriors. He went in there, slayed LeBron, the Dragon, and he's got such a resume on him. Obviously, he's probably 
he might still be the most elite scorer in the league if we're being honest mm-hmm. um he's you know he's at that age where he's entering into his mid-30s which scares me a little bit with health wise but he's been able to con- keep consistently healthy i'd say for most of his career which is probably a badge of honor where most guys like say Kawhi leonard taking rest days taking days off mm-hmm. um the package is cheap and something i would be interested in you know i i could easily move off derek whitey i thought he had a an okay postseason and he was good when he got traded over but obviously it hurts to see jail and go i mean he progressed so much i i think last year in particular and yeah it, it'd be a tough look but if it was to get kevin durant i'd be i'd be down for that i've heard that sean marks wants a little bit more though and he's wants to swap out white for smart is that something you think you'd be interesting is that is that enough i guess i mean some people might some people must be looking at this and saying that's all they have to give up to get one of the most elite players to ever mm. play. I don't think I would. And the reason I kind of think this way is, okay, if you get rid of Smart, you get rid of Brown. So you lose your second and third best players, obviously you bring in Kevin Durant. But your depth is hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. And I like the Brogdon ad. I think Gallinari is a good player. But you think about your Celtics. When they traded for Kyrie Irving, when they brought in Kyrie Irving, they they got rid of players and they, they brought in a superstar when the team was kind of on the come up, right? And the team got worse. It didn't get better. When Kyrie Irving left, Tatum, Brown, as young little whippersnappers, got to a Game 7 of the conference final. Kevin Durant is different than Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is a whole other entity in and of itself. But I, I worry and I think of just past decisions where I would stick with this because you just got to the NBA Finals. They are the FanDuel betting favorite to win the title next year. Mm. I, it's not like there's a, a super team in the NBA right now. Wherever Kevin Durant, if Kevin Durant doesn't go to Boston, I don't think he'll be on a super team because whoever trades for him is going to have to give up a lot to acquire him. Mm-hmm. So I think for Boston, you, you got to feel confident that you can – Milwaukee would scare me a bit, but I, I think you can win the title next year with the roster that they have right now. Yeah, I mean, obviously that, that little quick trip to the finals is, is, you know, it's motivation to keep the same nucleus of players because, it, you know, if you tweak it, obviously anything can happen. Overall, like I, I can skip to my conclusion too, and it's, it's just not worth the risk for me either. I, I just can't see the team getting significantly better mm-hmm. if he was on there. Maybe it does take another step having that clutch superstar type player. Um, obviously, um, branding wise, and you know the city of Boston would be, you know, it, it would be on fire to get a player like that. But I think you're right. I think that Brad Stevens' moves in the offseason were enough to get this team over that hump. Um, it really just comes down to a healthy roster and keeping every guy fresh, whether that's, you know, load management, like I said earlier, or mm. some, something just to keep guys from playing a full 82 schedule, because that's prob- probably not really needed with this team. I think you're going to get to a second or third seed. And then from there, it should be, you know, it should be fairly easy. Right. And let's say, let's say Toronto pulled the trigger to get yeah. Kevin Durant, which would, tr- would, Durant ending up in Toronto scare you as a Celtics fan that you wouldn't be able to get by them to get to the finals. No, no. And we spoke about this earlier. Like they're a team like Toronto gives up too much and then they're not Mm. much further ahead than they just started with. And Durant at the end of the day, you trade two 20 point getters. Well, 
Durant's a 30-point guy, do the math there. You lose, you're yeah. end up losing points. You might make a clutch shot or here and there, but at the same time, like I said, age scares me. If this is if this is a 27, 26 year old Kevin Durant prime. Yeah, if this is him when he goes to Golden State, you do it in a second. You you yeah, without even a heartbeat, but you know, you know, with his contract and what he's coming up on, you just smell an injury or you smell fatigue coming into a factor here. Like every other player of his age, James Harden, he took a step back last year. Russell Westbrook took probably the whole staircase back if we're being honest mm. you just don't you just can't risk that and, and when you're when you've built this much and you have this much going for your team that's just not worth it I, I i what would the combination of players if you were sean marks to get back would be you know what i mean like that that intrigues me to say where do you pull the trigger right i think for him he's got to realize no team has two all-stars really to give up i get he's trying to do that with boston I don't think they're going to do it. If he goes to Toronto, Scotty Barnes is a rookie. I, I would I, I would want Scotty Barnes. I don't even have the discussion with me without having him in the deal. Like, don't just hang up the phone. I'll go, I'll call somebody else. Mm-hmm. But if you trade it for Scotty Barnes, I don't think you're getting Siakam. I don't think you're getting both of them. I think you get Scotty, OG, and Gary Trent Jr. and two first-rounders. Right. Maybe. Because I don't think they're going to give Siakam and Scotty Barnes. Then it defeats the purpose. Yeah. Then then you're just weaker in my mind. Yeah. Golden State is the most interesting one. I don't think, I think Kevin Durant's ego is too big to go back there. But I mean, they could give up. Was that a sloppy turn? Did they end on bad terms? Yeah, they did. Was it probably Kerr and Durant weren't on great terms. And Draymond Green calling Kevin Durant a bitch during a, they almost got into a fist fight, I guess, during a game. And but Golden State could do it because they got young P. I take chances on young guys, like say Brooklyn acquired Andrew Wiggins, Wiseman, Kaminga, who I like a lot, and Jordan Poole, right? And a first that's round pick. Yeah, that's a good love. Four. That's four. That's four players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting though to keep the. You're right, like that pride, like sending that guy back into the fire, and then. You know, say say nothing changes, and Steve Kerr still hates hates him. His teammates still hate him. Like you're just basically sending him into a bad situation. But right, yeah. Obviously, obviously they can win again. I I no doubt in my mind they have the experience and they already have the uh, the nucleus of players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that move would put that would surpass Boston as the FanDuel betting favorite to win the championship if wow. Kevin Durant ends up back on gold. State. Yeah. If the Kevin Durant do, uh, deal went on with the Suns, where, you know, maybe AD, uh, AT comes back and some other players, do, you, do like, are they automatic favorites? Like you have Chris Paul, say Devin Brooker, and obviously KD, like, does that put them over the edge or is that still not enough? Probably. Yeah. I, I, I would probably say so. Just, just based on name brand alone, I think people would be betting on that. So maybe it wouldn't be the, maybe they wouldn't win, but that's where the money's going. So that's where Vegas would obviously draw. It's a fresh name. It's something that they can get people to wrap their head around. Right. So I think that's definitely something I think they, I think they'd improve their odds for sure with the, with Kevin Durant going there. Uh, yeah. Highly in my mind. The only last thing I have on the Boston thing is like, just not messing with Tatum's growth. Like you've brought it up multiple times about him needing that confidence and that like kind of killer mm. instinct. 
I think if you inserted a guy like Kevin Durant, I think that really holds that up. You know what I mean? Like, right. He's not yeah. able to make those big shots that he had in the past or try different things or be an A1 type player. He's going to have to take a back seat to Kevin Durant because he's the one with the MVPs. He's the one with the championship rings. And, you know, you got to have respect for that. So I, I think it also, it also, like, on top of not taking that much further a step, I think you're also kind of concealing your number one player right now. Yeah, it's a fair point. I, I think for sure. And my one concern now is Jalen Brown. He tweets out last night SMH, oh, which man. I had to text somebody that's younger than me. That what does that mean? I guess it means <laughs> shake my head. I had no clue. I you're an old what soul. That, what that meant? Yeah, old soul. I'm like, what? What does SMH mean? Like slang? I just I don't know. But shake my head. So clearly he's talking about that. His name is in trade rumors. I. I guess all you can say to Jalen is get over it. Like they're asking, they're tra- almost they're asking to be trading for Kevin Durant. Like get over it. Yeah, yeah, he's a pretty level-headed guy. I'm sure that was just kind of heat of the moment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, it's it's also it's it's always going to happen. It's always a piss off. Your name's just going to be thrown in there sometimes with trade rumors, and you're just going to have to kind of deal with it. It's is that better than the old call of the phone? Hey, you're traded, and you had no idea that you were even on the market. What's better or worse? I think it's better than what Jonathan Huberto just went through because I don't think he, uh, I don't think he had any clue that he, he was going to be flat. traded from yeah. Florida to Calgary because he, the way he spoke yesterday, he was he still sounded pretty pissed off that he was not given any kind of warning that he was going to be a Calgary Flame and no longer a a Florida Panther. Yeah, yeah. You do that much for one team, it's kind of like okay, you you might have the the decency to like. Hey, like we're 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 looking into this. It's it might not be serious, or hey, like this this could go through. No, nah, just a straight pimp slap to the face. Hey, yeah, get the fuck, get your shit and get out of my building now. Yeah, what did what did you make of that trade? I think it's good. I think it's good for both teams. Honestly, I don't have too many sour points. Um, obviously, so I, I was gonna bring this up later, but I'll bring it up now. Uyghur and Huberto both say, oh, I can see myself playing here long-term. Oh, I can both see myself long-term contracts. Is that face value or is that, you know, is that them actually being for real? Yeah, that was my, uh, I was saved this too. I heard Huberto yesterday. I don't buy it for a second. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't believe him for even, I think Uyghur would, because why wouldn't Uyghur take a long-term deal if he's going to make good money? If he's a yeah. really good player, I think he'd get make good money in the open market. But I don't think Uyghur is a guy that's like, okay, I need to play in warm climates or you know these type things. What I know about John and Huberto, he had a pretty good setup in Florida. Drove a Lambo. I think he had a pool at his house. He was living the La Vida Loca. And those Calgary winners are not fun. No pool. <laughs> No Lambo's got to buy a, you know, a Ford edge to get through the snow out there in Calgary. So <laughs> I, to me, maybe he plays out the year, but I, I don't buy that he's signing in Calgary long-term. I, I didn't believe it for a second. Yeah. So that, so there's the hail Mary, right? You just got this great player. Who's at exceptional, exceptional level to me. He's, he's maybe not in a Kachuk capacity, but maybe he's on a Johnny Goudreau capacity where yep. he's elite playmaker. He does a lot for your line, but at the end of the day, if he doesn't resign at the end of the year, you're looking like a total idiot. And I mean, you could have taken less, but obviously had longevity in that and had someone stay for much longer. 
you know what I mean? Not confirming or getting an extension done quickly. It's going to be really concerning for Calgary fans in my mind. Yeah. Unless, unless he's really, if they had discussion say next month and he's clear that he's not going to resign, then you do what you do with Kachuk. You flip him, and you, yeah. you get, you get more assets. Cause that's, that's what you have to do. But what I've heard now is that Calgary's not giving up on the cadre front. They're still, tr- they're trying to get him to come in. And if they get Huberto, they got Uyghur, they can bring in Kadri. They really didn't lose that much, if you think about it. Kadri and Kachuk are, are right. different players, but and one's a center, obviously one's a winger, but they play similarly, and Kadri's a, a great competitor, just like Kachuk. He, like you said, Huberto and Goudreau are basically identical. Huberto's a little bit taller, that's about it. They're both great passers. You still keep Lindholm, and, and your defense core gets better because Uyghur, to me, is a top 50, top 60 NHL player. So... That's a Hail first, Mary. You get a first-round pick, too. And a first-round pick in 2025. So that would be a hell of a pull from Brad Chuleving if that can happen. I'm not, I'm not sure Kadri will go to Calgary, but that's what I read yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he's still weighing his options. Uh, our Klingberg deal just kind of tingles over our heads day by day now. There's nothing about him. Yeah, nothing. I know. Which makes me, yeah, which makes me think I might be getting a free case of beer the next time I'm yeah. home. But you never know. You never know. Pretty safe in that bet. Um, but yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Kadri goes there. It really isn't like you're replacing a whole lot, just maybe that experience you have playing with those guys. But uh, both of those guys are veteran players, and I think they're both going to be able to fit in that top six well. Um, my, biggest, my biggest concern would be if Kadri is a first-line center, which, mm-hmm. um, I mean, he there was times this year where he had to play that role because of McKinnon's absence. They but got Lindholm, my boy. They, they have Lindholm, so they could go Lindholm and then Kadri behind him, and then they figure things out. I think they'll flip that first for something. I don't think they'll keep that too long. I know it's only 2025, but you'll be able to get something for it, hopefully, even if it's a depth player. Um, and Wigner really replacing Cabranson, if you think about it. Are you mm-hmm. going to get four by four to Cabranson? No, not unless you're uh, uh, Kekalainen or whatever his name is in yeah. Columbus. But so you're getting a better Gabranson and your decor just becomes well more like way rounded for me. Yeah. And, and I mean, for Florida side, we haven't really even touched on them, but you're getting a younger player who do, is very different from Huberto, yep. but definitely has the same skill level in my mind. I, I mean, you could, I don't know, there's different aspects to his game, but the way he handles the puck and the way he can shoot, I, I really think you do have a great, great asset there. And at the same time, maybe he wanted less money than Huberto. And that's the biggest win for me is that Huberto might have came and said, I want 10-5 or I want close to 11 million. You know, I've had three, four hundred point seasons. Where's my money? You know what I mean? This way you're getting a player who's younger. He's going to be there longer. And he's probably going to be more productive in that span of time uh, in the same time period. And you're paying him less, right? Yeah, the nine and a half is a huge win. And that's. That's the Florida tax. Basically, teams should not go over nine and a half. And that's basically Florida said, look at Tampa. Look down the road. Look at Point. Look at Vasilevsky. Look at all these guys. Look what they make. Yeah. You're not better than them. And yes, you're great, but this is what we'll give you. And that's, hey, when there's no state income tax, you'll take that. And yeah, I, I think Kachuk, Florida needed a reset. They, they've had Huberto there forever. He's the best player in franchise history, in my opinion. He's Barkov's great. We'll probably pass him, but they're they're right there. They're yin and, yin and yang. 
but they've been they've been doing it for a while together. It's gotten stale. They win a president's trophy, but you don't win anything in the playoffs. You flame out in epic, you know, proportions here. Yeah. And Huberto had five points in ten playoff games, and he was invisible for a lot of it. Kachuk had ten and twelve, and I just think Kachuk's more of a playoff gamer, and he, he adds a different element to this team. That and I think you you look at your in-state rival, and you look at Tampa. They're not easy to play against. They got some guys on that team that are a pain in the ass, that are that are tough when they need to be. And Kachuk brings that sandpaper and a little bit of added toughness to this team. What's the futures? What the is that? What is called a future bet? Like yeah, the futures a, bet. Yeah, futures bet. Uh, Maddie Kachuk drops the gloves first game against Tampa after his comments about hating Tampa. Yeah, I could see that. I could see him and Chernak fighting. Yeah. Oh, that's a. That's it's a heavyweight. I was I was thinking about maybe a Ian Cole or someone a little bit older with uh, <laughs> less muscles around the arms, but uh, yeah, right. no. And, and I just think he's going to be such a great and like you mentioned the playoffs thing too. No one's more gritty or no one's going to play a little dirtier, a little you know, a little thicker than Matty Kachuk. Like Johnny, real good for him, but he wasn't that type of player. Like he wasn't going to elevate mm-hmm. his game to uh, to to become that physical player. But you can see that in Kachuk, right? I also think it helps having Barkov who makes 10 million and like, you can't make more than your best player in my opinion. So like yeah. he's, he sets the cap for that. Okay. I'm the best player. It's kind of like, um, you've heard it recently with, um, I'm blanking on his name. Um, Oh, that's bad. What team? Detroit. Detroit. Uh, Detroit. Oh, uh, Stevie Y. No defenseman. Oh, Lidstrom. Let's see. Oh God. It's right on top of my tongue. Uh, you couldn't make more than Lindstrom when you played in Detroit, or else mm. you had to go through him. I think that's the same motto here. You're not making more than 10 million because that's where our best player makes. My right. question to you: Do you think Barkov is left pretty shaded from this? Because obviously he's losing one of his best friends and someone he played with since he began. I'm sure at f- first it was a bit jarring. I'm curious to see if he knew, because that is interesting to me. If he was just like Huberto in the win, that is a that is a kick in the pills, but I almost think if I was Bill Zito, I wouldn't have told Barkov. Okay. Well, let I, him be pissed off. Yeah. Let him be mad about it. Come to camp and let's win some damn games here. Let's let's win a cup. Let's be motivated. And, yeah, you lost your buddy, but you got Kachuk. He's a damn good player too, and he'll get over it. You know, that's how I look at it. Maybe he'll be a little more extra motivation going into this season, and you move on from there. But I, I almost, I almost hope Bill Zito didn't tell Barkov. So it's the same kind of reaction, and he has to go through it and say, you know what, maybe this is better off for the team that we try something new. Yeah. You're, well, you're doing the, the best. The GM's doing the best thing he can do to to make the team win, right? Like that's at the end of the day, that's what you got to see. You know what I mean? And that took a, a tall sacrifice. Yeah, I mean, you see these teams with the warm climate, they're finally using it to their advantage, and the. Yes. the income tax states, but you look at Florida and you look at Vegas, they're so similar to me. Both GMs are just like, okay, I'll acquire them. I didn't think Kachuk was going to Florida at all. I didn't no. even think it was a possible. I was working. We, de- we, debated. we debated, we debated for a while. Me, you and Dawson, Dawson had Vegas for some reason, which you must have slept in one too many times, but yeah. yeah, no, that's, that's the thing. It just came out of nowhere. Right. Yeah. I was thinking I was Friday night before the trade came through, I was working on, deals for monday show and i was nashville i'm like oh, that's a pretty good deal i take this and i was like st louis i'm like of course give me cairo but then i see florida i'm like 
what the hell happened here? Florida for and Matthew Kachuk, but Florida, Vegas, these GMs are just like, we'll trade picks. We'll trade anything. We'll, we'll move the whole team. We'll find salary cap room. We'll find LTIR. We don't care. We just, well, if we're not winning this year, it's, the to team probably wasn't good enough. Yeah, the win now mentality. Uh, curious, uh, for curiosity's sake, who on Nashville, what do you have traded? See, I was going through and I was thinking, at first I, I thought for, for Calgary, they got Markstrom, so I doubt they would have wanted Yaroslav Askarov, who is their top prospect, who is a goaltender. But he is 20 years old, so that, that interested me. I looked at Ellie Tolvanen. I didn't love him, but so I went. I went this way. I went. So you're losing. You're losing Kachuk. You lost Goudreau, but you need and you need another center iceman because they got two under contract right now for next season, and one's Kevin Rooney. So I said, Mikhail Granlin is 29 years old. He's a solid oh. pro. He's not a he's not a game breaker, but he's a solid pro. Granlin goes to Calgary. You get Dante Fabro in the oh. deal, a young defenseman who I believe is on the come up. And a first-round pick for Kachuk. It, it almost evens out in salary. And uh, I think you could throw another piece in the deal for, for, um, for Calgary, but that was my, that was my deal that I, that I was thinking for Nashville. Okay. Just curious. Yeah. And I thought maybe – I don't love the guy, but maybe Calgary would take a chance on him. Ellie Tolvin, and you can throw in the deal as well as a guy that it was – Project to be a goal scorer that hasn't exactly found it yet uh, so far throughout his NHL career. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. Tolman, you you heard the hype at World Juniors, but we really have it's been really subtle or very slim since. Yeah, he's 23 now, and yeah. he's still uh, still quiet on the yeah. home front. Yeah, maybe uh, I also thought maybe throwing Tanner Janot in that. Oh, I like. I, I wouldn't get rid of him. I wouldn't me, get rid of him. Either. I any like guy, him a lot. Any guy who leads the league in fights and also has 20 goals, like that, mm -hmm. to me, that screams 90s hockey. That's that's Bobby P in the mm -hmm. back end, scoring 20 tucks, Ty Domi, you know. Very rare that a guy fights and then does well on the offensive side. Yeah, I like him a lot too because he's he is like a, a unicorn player yeah. uh, that uh, that can deliver. What you make a line A getting 8.7 a year from Columbus? I, uh, I I don't mind it. He had a good season last season. There's mm -hmm. always to me. There's always going to be health problems. It's, it's. I just don't feel like he's ever in true professional shape. And maybe yeah. maybe that's because of the neck brace, and I don't get to see his neck and see how fat he is. You know that, that neck guard. Right. Um, but I I don't know. There's just something about him where I just never feel like he's going to be 100 percent healthy all the time. But when he is, I mean, you've seen the capabilities. He's a natural goal scorer, and he's huge. Like, he's 6'5", and, I don't know, if it finally started to back check over the last couple of years, which was needed. Um, and, yeah, no, that, that's a perfect combination. Goudreau, whatever you want to do, Goudreau, Roslovic, and Lane. That's, that sounds like a pretty decent line to me. Yeah, I, I don't mind it on the surface. But my one thing is that this guy needs to be motivated. I he's the type you mentioned. He's never in great shape, and I think Line A and Patrick and uh, Vander Kane are similar because I don't want to give them a whole lot of leash because Line A might go to the to the dessert cart one or two more times than he should. Evander Kane might go to the craps table one or more times than he should. 
and it's just trouble, right? Like if, if Evander was playing on a one-year deal with Huberto, I think he scores 40 goals this year. It's the last year, you know what's going to happen. And maybe you're worried he's going to leave Columbus because everybody leaves other than Goudreau. So I understand you have to pay a kind of a, a premium to keep yeah. players in Columbus. They gave Wierenski 9-5. He's a good defenseman. He's not 9-5, but they had to keep him. Uh, Goudreau goes there. And it's so crazy. I mentioned this on Sunday night. Columbus is a bad team. To me, they're not going to make the playoffs next year. I'm sure you agree with me. Yeah. If they get Goudreau, they get Line A. They had to trade Bjorkstrand to get Line A under the cap. That's why yeah. they traded Bjorkstrand. Like, that's the kind of position they're in. So it's very puzzling where they are as a team because I don't think they're that close to being competitive playoff team. And if you're Line A and you know that the, you're right up against the cap, Borkstrand's a, a good player. He's not a great player by any means, but he, he he's valuable to the team and he's been there for quite mm-hmm. a while. You would think that you would sacrifice that in order to become a better team because now you're just, in, in my opinion, you're not worse, but you're not taking that many steps ahead, kind of like the Kevin Durant scenario we talked about earlier. You're losing right. guys just to keep you there. So are you going to pick up that slack? Are you going to you know put up that extra 20 goals that Borkstrand would have? Probably not. Yeah, and you got to hope Rozlovic has another great year because last year was his best season as a pro, and it's been the anomaly because otherwise he's just kind of a a third-line player that chips in. But, again, he's inconsistent, kind of like Line A, kind of what the reason they were traded for one uh, with each other. So you talk about raw deals. Huberto was pissed. Bjorkstrand was getting married at the time. Oh, he had recently that. bought a house in Columbus – and I believe his wife's expecting a child or the, something like that, something to that uh, nature. nature yeah. And he found out from his agent that he was, he got traded on his honeymoon. That, that's enough to go to the GM's house and just go bananas, just yeah. break everything in his home or his office. Oh, yeah. God, that's like, that's, that's a double kick in the stones for him. I feel bad for him. He's a, like I said, I, I really appreciate him. So I, that's, he's that's a 20 tough. goal guy. He's a good player. I think he's, he's a good good fit for Seattle because they need help scoring goals. So maybe yeah. you know maybe he'll find some success there. Yeah, I would have rather much got rid of Nyquist, but then Borkstrand. But obviously he's more attractive to move, and he's the yeah. younger player too. So and yeah. back to Van, back to Vander Kane. If, if if I'm the city of Edmonton or Alberta for that matter, I just tell any casino I'll, I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars to keep this guy for the full year out of the, out of the casino. Just don't let him go in. If, if he comes in security, throw him out. That's yeah. It. If you're Ken Holland, you kind of grease the wheels and you tell the guys, if you see this man's face, you call me and then I'm going to call him on this phone. And you not, he's not. Allowed. Oh yeah. Big time, big time. Otherwise like, yeah, you're just going to start fighting with it. I just don't team. trust him. And I don't think he's a great person. So that's not a good combination. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. I don't I don't think he's got many friends left, so. No. Um next week we'll t- we'll talk about uh MLB trade deadline because it's a week oh, from today. Yes. If, you can, if you can believe it. I think we'll see a lot of Tigers are apparently dangling some names. Uh we'll keep following the Aaron Judge story as it goes because I I kind of hope he starts hitting more and more dingers and he, there's a chase to 60 for the rest of this summer because that would be a fun Fun storyline to watch. They got the Subway Series tonight against the Mets. That's a that's always a fun right. series. Both teams are actually good for a change. With him and Pete, Pete Alonzo, 
one, two in, in RBIs in the entire Major League Baseball. But I want to get to what I kind of threw a carrot to yesterday, a little fun midsummer game that we could play today, yeah. which is another top five. Who doesn't love a top five? And this top five is the band slash artists that we want to see perform live. Yep. So again, I couldn't pick Fleetwood Mac because they no longer perform. Although Stevie Nicks is playing in Bangor in September. Just found out that today. I, you, know, you can't certain the Beatles again. You can't, we couldn't pick them, but these are just current bands or artists that are playing right now that we want to see live. And this is really inspired. Cause I know you're going to a concert this weekend. You were at Cavendish. So you were in the festival mood. So mm, time. How, how difficult a process was this for you? I think it was difficult. And the biggest thing I had a hard time with was saying, do I want to revisit some of these guys who are on their farewell tour? You know, you mm. think about the Rolling Stones who, you know, every other year they're like, we're going, or this is our farewell tour, or like, we're going to be done. Like just waiting for McGagger, or, you know, Keith Richards to croak. But um, yeah, so I decided to stay away from that route. You know, no Elton John's, no Stevie Nicks right. in your world. You know what I mean? So I kept it pretty consistent with people who are still playing. And I think still someone in their prime, or at least they're, I mean, they might've took it a step down, but they're still good. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I did somewhat. I did pretty much the same thing. I didn't put Stevie Nicks in there, like you said, the Rolling Stones. I didn't. I was gonna put Kiss, but I didn't. Um, <laughs> and they, they they still play. They still they got some great tunes. I think they, they I think they would banger. be a, a good a good show live. But why don't you kick us off with number five band slash artists that you want to see perform live? Yeah, um, can I have to go number five with uh, my boy Matt Mays. <laughs> no i'm just kidding uh inside joke uh yeah. no i have number five i have greta van fleet they're nice kind of a, they're a rock band out of uh, out of the states they're they've got that similar tone and that similar style as like those old rock bands from the 70s 80s which i really enjoy high vocals just ripping shredding guitar so they're really enjoyable for me i've been a big fan since they came onto the scene i think their last album is really 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 strong um, unfortunately they'll probably never visit us here in MB, but I think it would be, for me, it'd be worth a trip down to Toronto or Montreal to see these guys play because, uh, I, I feel like they're young, they're full blood and they give, they give you all they had if they were on stage. I'll tell you this, if they play in Montreal, I'll go with you. Okay. I'll, I'll accept that because be I, I, I'm with you. I, I'm starting to really like them too. I, I, they, they got, what, they got a good vibe. They, they, I like their lead singer. He's a, got a good voice and yeah, yeah they, i think they'd Short be great fella, but he, he's got a lot to him he, he, he packs a punch yeah yeah he's like a little hobbit out there but he can he can he can sing but yeah i, nice. I i'm i'm on board for that and i would i would see i forgot about them i would totally see them live my number five this is my one country artist on the list i rarely oh, listen to any country anymore but this is just a, a throwback for me i have jason aldean okay. i have been a fan since i was a little kid I've sang Dirt Road Anthem in your presence one or two times. Uh, it's one of, it's a great tune. He, um, to me, he just writes good music. He, he, you could think he's not even a country artist. I think some of them, he, he's really, he's really talented when he's singing alone or when he does duets with people. They're, they're fantastic. Normally he's a great song with Carrie Underwood and uh, Miranda Lambert. So Jason Aldean doesn't exact. I don't listen to a lot of his music now, but his old stuff is great. So Jason Aldean is number five for me. 
he's always seems to be in the mix when it comes to like I, I don't listen to a lot of country stations but whenever it comes to like these top fives top 20s he's mm-hmm. still always in the mix and it's you know yeah. whether it's new tunes or not so clearly he knows how to produce because he's he's just always in the mix and he has been for the last 10 10 years number four for you number four this is uh this this guy you're probably not gonna like this answer um it's it's probably not the guy you're thinking of but he's right up there with ego slash um kind of a lunatic i have a kanye west as my number four okay Um, and i'll and i'll explain why i'll explain why before i would say 2017 kanye west albums were unbelievable with like banger after banger since then not that great but if there was a glimpse where like you were gonna listen to like half his new stuff and then half of the stuff before 2017 I'd still pay the the admission because I, I think like some of that music's unbelievable. And I think there you gotta totally separate like lunatic Kim Kardashian, Kanye West to the actual artist Kanye West, because I think if you do so, then you realize how great his music actually is. I agree because you look at actors, I mean, some actors are just a complete train wreck, but we'll go to every one of their movies. Nick Cage yeah. is a we talk about <laughs> Nick Cage again, inside joke but how big of a lunatic this guy is. I go to every movie he has. I saw the movie Pig, for Christ's sake. And uh, I, I would see Kanye, too. Pa- I love the song. Oh, Power's a great song. Obviously, there's Stronger uh, and... Uh, can't Tell Me Nothing. Like, he's just got, like, a load of bangers. Yeah, just, like, I agree. Up. Jesus Walks is a good song. Um, yeah, but that's that's what I mean. So his latest stuff, not that great, but obviously, like, eventually we all fall off, I guess. No, I'd I'd see him too. I I'd, I'd go see him. I have a, I have a rapper on my list. Which one? Okay, who's four? Is this your rapper? No. Uh, okay. Number four. Mm-hmm. Number four is the Arkells. Oh, <laughs> the Arkells are my kind of favorite band right now. I they are playing in St. John this weekend. I think they're playing in Miramichi, a free concert. I think it's September. So I I will see them at some point. But I, I've just I've kind of fell in love with their music. I didn't listen to them for a long time, but last couple albums I've really got into. Leather Jacket is a great tune. You can always get uh, in the mood to listen to that one. Book Club is a great song. Uh, mm-hmm. So Arkells just they're a good Canadian band, and and I like their vibe. I they are definitely on top of all Canadian bands right now for popularity wise. I would think. Mm-hmm. I can't yep. think of many else that would that would rank up there, and they they do seem to climb that ladder little by little as uh, all time for for Canadian bands. So something to be and they seem of. to be growing because they're doing tours in like London, England, and like they yeah. go on worldwide Europe. tours. So it's not just you know a, a regional thing. Yeah, no, they're starting to pick up. I think overseas as well, which is good for for them. I you see them work with like they they work with the CFL quite often yep. and the NHL, so they always seem to do do events in that way and halftime shows and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. They're they're definitely growing. Number three for you. Number three, I have the uh, the Arctic Monkeys. Um, oh, some people, nice. some people, some people listening are like, "What the hell kind of name?" But these guys are good. They're a good man. I've yeah. been listening to them for quite a while. Solid, you know, London rock band. That uh, they you you were like you might be like I don't know a song by these guys, but I guarantee if you went to a show, you would be bobbing your head because some of their songs just have to get you off their feet. They're they are electric. They they've got great lyrics and yeah, and yeah. If, they, if anyone's like, you know, I I might not listen to these guys. Go listen to the album AM, and you will start listening to these guys. They are they're that good. And I agree with you. You'll know at least a song. 
by Arctic exactly. Monkeys that you don't even realize. It's kind of like the Killers. Like you'll know a song by them. I, I can yeah. There's these certain bands that you just, oh yeah, I know them. Uh, Besides Mr. Brightside, you, you'll know another. Yeah, song. you know that one. But yeah, that's, that's <laughs> a banger. But uh, yeah, I I like the Monkeys too. I listen to them a little bit, and uh, yeah, they're they're definitely. I think you you'd know them when you hear them. Yeah. My number three is sort of cheating because I've seen them, but again, they're great. I oh, go I again in a second. Number three is Mumford and Sons. Oh, a little throwback. I uh, we went four or five years ago now to see Mumford and Sons in La Belle Provence. And number first of all, Montreal's the best concert venue ever. I like indoor concerts better now because there's no people on shoulders and there's nobody just all that crap. You got room on the floor, get some standing mm. seats on the floor. They're phenomenal. All the instruments they play is phenomenal. Is to me the biggest selling point I can say about Mumford and Sons. It's not just an artist fake playing the guitar. It's everybody in unison. The lead singer is playing the the piano. It, they're they were just phenomenal live. I, I've I've never had a better concert experience, and they they just deliver. Yeah, that was that was an unbelievable show. Unbelievable weekend too. Mm-hmm. um yeah no what one thing two things i love about them one they'll play all their bangers no matter what doesn't matter yes. if they're in a new album they'll still play all their old hits and two you hardly see this anymore someone getting into the crowd maybe right some artists still will but getting into the crowd and singing around that was just such a cool experience and being like five six feet away from them um something i'll never forget i'll remember that um probably for the rest of my life absolutely they're they're just they're just phenomenal i yeah. i don't think they put on a bad show Who's number two for you? Number two. This is a tough one to talk about um, through, uh, you know, losing sports, losing a lot of things, you know, not seeing your friends and family. COVID has taken a lot for me. But uh, the one thing that COVID definitely took for me the hardest was not seeing my favorite band, the Black Keys in Moncton at the Avenir Center. March 2020 or March 2020, yeah, was uh, the tough, tough time when I found out that that show was going to be canceled. So, no, they've been, they've been my favorite band probably since I was grade 10, grade 11. Love it. They've definitely diluted in the last couple albums, but still, I, I could listen to them all day. I, I enjoy their music. Enjoy, uh, yeah, they're, lyrically they're great, and they can just produce bangers. They're the same as the Ar- Arctic Monkeys. Like, you'd be able to go and show and be like, oh, yeah, like, I know that song. And, you know, whether it's whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Exactly. No, I don't know. Well, wait, can we get it again for the crowd? It's like I don't even know. It's like it's all. It was on NHL video game. I'm sure it was oh. Black Keys. Oh, probably, probably, because they're easy. Like they're marketable and they play like pretty. It's not generic, I want to say, but the pretty universally loved music. And uh, yeah, they've got a great backstory, and uh, I've been a big fan of them ever since uh, I, I I found them. I'm sure they'll be back. We're starting to see everybody coming back yeah. to the to concerts. Obviously, John Mulaney is per- performing. I know at that's crazy. The Avenir, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you'll have to find a couple local dealers on that one. Yeah, uh, yeah, a couple of dealers. I mean, Moncton will be really happy that weekend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, number two, I think it's going to surprise you. I think it is a rapper. Three. No, that's number okay. one. Number one, okay. Number two is Pearl Jam. Oh, I did not. This this is very surprising. Eddie. They just got some songs that I've, like you said, I I finally got some bangers. Dance of the Clairvoyance is my favorite song by Pearl Jam. And it's 
just always puts me in a good mood. It's a good vibe. And I've only heard good things about them playing live too. Apparently for, for an older band, they still bring it. And I don't Pearl jam. Just, I, I like, I like Pearl jam. I don't know. They're not, one of the most notoriously good bands of all time, but I just have a soft spot for Pearl Jam. They're definitely not universally loved, but uh, anytime you're part of a generational movement in that grunge scene in the 2000s, the late 90s slash 2000s, um, yeah, like they were a big front of that. And uh, yeah, there's a really great story of a hockey player. He, he met them backstage and Eddie Vedder's looking at him and he goes, uh, can I stick a cigarette in your, in your, in your empty tooth? I guess he had his all his teeth out like here. And he's just like, he just wanted to put one in. So no, I think they're good lads, and uh, yeah, they're they're up there for me for the best bands. I didn't even know they were still touring. If we're being honest, or they might have been mm. my number five. Number one for Seamus Fillmore is uh, who? Did, could you guess if you had if there was one? Yeah, I'm gonna guess yours, and you can guess mine. Okay, um, you said that, I know you're a big Black Keys guy, so that was gonna be my initial guess. Um, think rock band and think '90s. Okay, I was gonna say the Lumineers. Um, rock band '90s. Rock band. I know you're a big Nickelback fan, but I'm not gonna say Nickelback. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not not itching, but I got scratched. not itching. I no, the Avril first. Um, I don't know. Okay, okay. The Red Hot Chili Peppers are the the most sought out band I would okay. love to see. Yeah, there, there's just not many songs that I just don't go, this is a banger. You know what I mean? Like, they just have it all, like, slow, fast pace. They just have a little bit of everything. And I just think their their band's history is just so unique. Um, they did, and what was it? I think, not Coachella. What was that? What's the one in Montreal that always happens? Ilsa Nick? No, the other one. There's another big one. It's, like, on that island in Montreal. I kind of forget. Oh, okay. Uh, shoot. Um, anyways, they were playing there a few years ago and I kind of, I really, really regretted not going. Um, we talked about it, some friends, but never pulled the trigger. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a band I will go back to see even to the States as far as there. Cause, uh, yeah, just so enjoyable, so unique. And, uh, even today, like they're still putting out music. They just released an album a couple months ago. So clearly they still have aspirations to make music and to, to please their fans and they're sober too. So, right. <laughs> That's 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 nice. I had to bring, I had to bring that in there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think they'd still like they're still big enough to play at, like Fenway Park or something like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. You Absolutely. went to a concert there, right? Uh, Fenway, yeah, yeah. See the Foo Fighters, which would have been on my list if they weren't. But yeah, no, no, ab- absolutely. Like, uh, they'd go to a Fenway. I think they would still sell out like a pretty mm-hmm. large arena in my mind. Like, if they went to MSG, I'd, I'm sure they would probably fill most of those seats. Right. Yeah. No, uh, they. They they do have some bangers, that's for sure. They yeah. uh, they're they're definitely a band that you don't think about, but then you're like, holy crap, they get a lot of good music. Well, you've been around so long, right? Like they were making music in the late '80s, and then you know right. they're still they're still producing now in that three year dec or three decades span. So like clearly doing something right, or they need to hang them up. I guess you could you could say. Yeah, that's that's they, impressive for sure. That you can go that long, a band stays together. And yeah, yeah. Another, another thing. Yeah, yeah. I heard their stage presence is unbelievable too. They're just like and stay sober. That's another <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, number one for Juggy is to me has got to be Slim Shady. It's Eminem. Yeah, yeah I thought it's, so. It's Eminem. Uh, I, 
I love almost every song he writes. I, to me, it's just, he's the greatest rapper of all time. Uh, I, I don't know what his concerts would be like, probably crazy, which is fantastic. He can't perform in Canada anymore. So I'd have to go to the States, but he, to me, he's just such an enigma. He's such a, you know, he's so himself, which I like, and he's got some, he's, got some great great tracks i mean oh, I, he could, he could perform anything and i'd be like oh i know this song i I'm, and i'd be entertained the whole concert so he, you could he's do three, just yeah you could do three concerts in a row and play different songs from all his music and you'd probably know most of those songs like right. that's how wide his variety is which is just incredible yeah mm -hmm. no i i agree like he's not a guy that would come to canada but i would easily go to the states for him I think we'll get a trip. Me, you, and uh, C Mac. You know, he's also a big fan. I get the I get the weekly Snapchat of him in the in the whip, pounding it to Eminem. Usually, usually once, twice a week. Yeah, I I would love to do that 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 trip. Uh, but the, to me, he's just he's so interesting and he's such a good artist. So you're you're guaranteed to have a good show just because he's got so many good tracks. But no fun lists. Uh, yeah, love that. I like we both got a rapper on it, which I think is funny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, I, I go to either. I go to Kanye or I go to, to Eminem. So that, that I, I think I'm gonna probably want to go to Eminem more because I think I don't know. I don't know. It'd be a toss up for me. That'd be a tough one. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they're both great. So I, I it it would be for different reasons you'd want to go to each concert. I think for Kanye to see what the hell that guy would do. And then He's wearing his like beekeeping outfit he wore to the store uh, the Super Bowl. Maybe he's wearing that on stage. Or he's got a, a, a yeah. Kim lookalike behind him or something. You never know what you're gonna see there. But it's wild, man. So you got um, glorious sons on Saturday, and then you're yeah. visiting uh, some your dad and brother have, have a birthday this week. So busy, busy week for you. Yeah, yeah, should be fairly busy. I'll be, uh, I'll be, I'll be traveling home Sunday and uh, be able to, I think, get a round in with our boy Casey Ward on Monday, which I'm, I'm really excited about, just to see him and, you know, he'd be able to hopefully shape me up a little bit. I know he'll give me the odd tip or two, um, but yeah, and obviously, hopefully, get to see you too while I'm home. So yeah, it'll be exciting. But uh, no, really looking forward to Saturday. I think it's going to be really fun, and uh, I've seen the Suns a couple times now, so. I'm not, you know, I'm not jumping up and down to see them, but I think they bring a lively show and I think it'll be interesting. You gotta love a sawed off shotgun. <laughs> and uh, am I making a guest room for, for my member here or am I, no? Not no, I can't. And I just, it was like 110 bucks I saw and I don't, I know yeah. sawed off shotgun and that's it. And there's a UFC pay-per-view Saturday night. So I have to, I have to watch that. God, you got commitments. I can't. Uh, I can't blame you. So yeah, that means you're going to Pena Nunez fights. So I got. I got to be live for that. Okay. Okay. So, Mayor, so you're going to Miramichi September. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Book book me in for that. Arkells and Miramichi at at okay. Mike's. At <laughs> Mike's. <laughs> yeah. Good venue. Good venue there. I heard. Yeah, I've I've only heard good things from C Money. So, um, lo looking forward looking forward to getting there. But, um. Good chat. Well, like I said, we'll talk again next week uh, for uh, the baseball trade deadline and enjoy the concerts and then uh, happy birthday to uh, Detroit and uh, Road Dog. Yes, I'll, I'll tell them that. I appreciate that. I'll give a little Suns recap uh, next week. See how Sounds that good. goes.
All right. Sounds see you, good, buddy. We'll talk to you then. There's Seamus, a weekly hit. Fun, fun chat today. A lot to get into. And I hope you guys enjoyed the band conference. I know I did. It was fun putting the list together. And if you couldn't tell from the first hour of the show, I'm, I'm excited about the NFL being back. To have regular NFL topics on this podcast, I couldn't be more excited about. I have a lot of NFL content coming your way when it comes to my quarterback lists, when it comes to my division off-season breakdown, what teams did to improve, who they lost, who they gained in free agency, things of that nature. So those will be coming periodically. We'll be listening, uh, listening a, div- a couple divisions a week, I'm thinking, to give you guys just a heads up, and it's a heads up for me to go through all my notes and, and to do it all. So that is forthcoming on the NFL. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow, Wednesday. I'm sure there'll be lots to talk about again, talking about the, the J Series, the Subway Series, and Major League Baseball any other news that comes up. So have a great night, everybody. As always, this to the point.